Thank you for listening to the weekly message from First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Hey, we are continuing through our series, The Joshua Code. Uh, we're taking a verse each Sunday, and we're kind of just hammering on that verse or kind of unpacking that verse. We've run through Joshua 1.8. We've looked at Ephesians 2.8. And last week, we looked at Psalm 23.1. So hopefully, you're three verses into that. And uh, any time that you're called upon, you can quote them. So uh, y'all are getting a little nervous now. Uh, Romans 8.28 today, a verse that you know well. Many of you probably have that somewhere in your home or at least have looked at that before and studied that. Uh, we're talking today about the uh, family secret, the family secret. And each families probably have a secret uh, that the family knows, but nobody else knows about the family or within the family. We won't go there today because that could be <laughs> pretty interesting. So we'll just leave family secrets where they are. But we want to unpack Romans 8.28 because Romans 8.28 is, is truly a family secret. Okay, And you'll, le- you'll look at that, and we're going to look at that, and you'll see that as we unpack this in a little bit. But I want you to go to that text, Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28. And we know... That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Now, we use that verse a lot. Uh, We reference that verse a lot. Um, I'll never forget, uh, I was in a situation, a circumstance one time, and um, the person that was going through it um, probably needed to hear the verse but at that moment in their life was not ready to receive the verse. The gentleman I was with shared the verse with him, and the guy got totally irate, okay, totally irate. I mean, like a barroom fight, irate, all right? Now, understand something. That verse is the gospel truth, but it is hard sometimes to receive because you take all the circumstances and situations that come up in life And some of them, my friends, do not make any sense whatsoever. I've been in circumstances and situations where I've walked into it as a pastor with nothing to say. No words. Just kind of in awe. Almost just in the fact of, I I, I don't know why. I don't know. You know, and, and, and get asked, how can anything good come from this? where you trust, man. That's where you trust. Because at that moment, in, the, in that situation, you can't see it. And the hardest thing to do in that situation is not fight God, not punch God. Okay? And so we're going to look at that. There's a lot of references in Scripture we're going to look at, but I want to begin to unpack that. First, I want you to see the family secret is confidential. Okay? It's the family secret is confidential. I want you to see the first part of the text. And we, and we. Now understand something. We does not mean everybody. Does not. It means a specific group of people called by God who know Jesus as their Savior and Lord because because if you don't know him, you won't get that when you're going through it. You won't see it when you're going through it. And we know. 
we his children, we his kids, we know. Why do we know or why can we know? Because we know him. That's the we there. Let me tell you something. Explain to a lost person why that happened, and I'm telling you, they're not going to see it with the same eyes that you see it from. As a believer, when you walk through it, you see it hopefully through the eyes of the king. You see it as Jesus sees it. You may not understand it. You may not like it, but you take hope and faith and trust the fact that, that God's got you. He never forsake you, okay? You don't see the big picture you see today, but in the big picture you trust because he's walking with you every single day, every hour. Let me tell you, the we in there is huge, okay? If you are a child of the king today, if you at a time in your life have accepted Christ as your Savior and Lord, you're the we here, and we can know K-N-O-W because we know him. We, we can know because we know him. If you don't know him, you're not going to know. You're not going to know. Because what happens is in every situation, there's, there's basically two paths. There is the better or the bitter. And if you don't know him, it is real easy to get extremely, extremely bitter. And I'm going to tell you, even if you know him, there is the battle, okay? There is the fight to become bitter, okay? I mean, I've, I've heard many times from people, that's not fair. They feel like that, that everybody else got the good hand and they got the jokers. And they would like to redeal again. God, can you pass the cards out again? Because I didn't get a good hand here. I fold, let's do that again. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Keeping score in life will travel one road. That's called bitterness. You'll, it'll make you mad, man. Don't keep score, okay? God, you're his kid. He loves you. We, 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 as his kids, know him, K-N-O-W. He knows everything. That it, I mean, he is sovereign, my friend. He knows us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our heart before our heart has a chance to react to something. He knows how we're going to react to it. Sometimes, my friend, and, I, and I've seen this a hundred times, he saves us to save us. Okay? He saves us to save us. I want you to look at the second thing here. The family secret is constructive. The family secret is constructive. I want you to look at Psalm 119. Go there with me. Psalm 119. It's a long, long psalm, but I want you to look at verses, let's go 65. 65. Psalm 119, 65. Do good to your servant according to your word, O Lord. Teach me knowledge and good judgment, for I believe in your commands. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I keep your precepts on my heart. Their hearts are calloused and unfeeling. 
but I delight in your law. Look at verse 71. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. The law of of your mouth is more precious to me than a thousand pieces of silver and gold. Now, when you're in the middle of that, that is not what you're singing. God, thank you. Thank you. When you don't and you can't afford to have a flat, you have the flat. When you leave and come home and you open a door and the first thing that hits you is a wave of water, that is not a good day, okay? But those things in life do happen. And it's not God beating you up, okay? It's just life, okay? I want to look at several folks in Scripture that went through things. You know when we go through things, when we are tested, when, we, when God allows things to happen in our lives, obviously they're to teach us, okay? If we will look at it, he wants to teach us through it. He knows us. He, he gives us a test. And you've heard me say many times that you're going to continue to get that test until what? You pass the test. So if, if, if you're not a patient man and your wife is praying, God, make my man patient, okay, you, <laughs> you are about to experience opportunities to be patient. And you can fight that, tear up the test, wad it up, chunking at the teacher. I don't care what you do, but every time you get an opportunity, you're going to get that same test. And you can hate it, but you're going to keep getting it. You're going to get it until you pass it. And your friends, it's just like us in school. We don't study. We wouldn't study (laughs) unless we were getting tested over it. Many of us will not just say, teacher, it would please me to read this whole book word by word just because it's the right thing to do. If that kid exists, I haven't met them, okay? But if you tell them they're getting a test over chapters one through five, they're gonna read one through five if they're a smart person, okay? In life, we have a book. It is an open book test in life. The problem is we face things and we don't know the word and because we don't know the word, we don't know what God's trying to do in it because we don't know God well in it and we can't see what God's trying to do. So we fight everything that happens in our life and we blame it all on God and we think God hates us and we're a mistake and he doesn't, he doesn't care for us and he's trying to punish us and we fight the giver of the test instead of taking the test with an open book and passing the test and realizing that he knows our heart oh so much better than we know our heart because we can stand at Kirkland's and look at all those mirrors and say that's a beautiful mirror and it'll look good in my house but what God really wants us to do with mirrors is look at that mirror and go look at me look at me we very seldom see what he wants us to see even in the mirror and so the test in our lives come to teach us something about ourselves and something deeper about him, about him. It's also to direct our lives. Let me tell you, man, all of us are tempted enough to go astray. Bible says that in, 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 in a man's eyes, we've all gone, we, we, the, the way the, the man always looks right, but it's death at the end. Man thinks they know the way to go, but God directs them. Our family, 
when we said we were going out to the panhandle Amarillo, I'm sure they thought, and I've said this many times, that we were secretly smoking funky weed or that we just had bad pizza, okay? But I'm going to tell you something. We knew we had heard from God. Melissa and I both knew we heard from God. We knew that was God. We didn't know exactly all that God had for us, but we knew we'd heard from God. And I'm going to tell you, I'm sure our family left the porch light on for many years, thinking, oh, they're coming back. They'll be back. They're not going to stay out there. That's a desert. It never rains. I mean, they're coming back. I think by now the light is either burned out or they turned it out. Because after 11 years, they're not peeking out the window anymore. We're not coming back, okay? We'll come back to visit, and we get enough humidity, and our skin feels good. We come right back out here, okay? Let's dry out a little bit. So, So here's the deal. It doesn't have to make sense to anybody except God because he will direct our lives in a way to honor him. Here's the deal, folks. You you and I were created to glorify and honor and to exalt the king in everything that we do. Now, we think that we are here for more than that sometimes, but ultimately we're here to honor And he's going to be exalted in our lives one way or the other. It says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is the Lord. And sometimes you will bend that voluntarily. And sometimes he will absolutely shove you to your knees if he has to. That is not his desire and the way he likes to do it. But he is God and he will do that. I want you to look at a couple folks Joshua is a beautiful example. Uh, 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 I mean, Joseph is a beautiful example of a person, and you may have found yourself in this situation. You did not choose the circumstance that you found yourself into. Your parents may have divorced. Your parents may have moved to a place you didn't like, and, or you may have had a job transfer, or whatever the case may be. Something happened that wasn't your fault You didn't choose it. It wouldn't have been your first choice, but it happened to you and you found yourself somewhere, okay? Joseph found himself there. He was sold into slavery by his brothers, okay? But Joseph did not just sit and get bitter and get angry and get mad and say, what a sorry God and and all this other stuff. Joseph is a beautiful example of a dude who bloomed where he was planted. I used to have students all the time. They, would, they were working different jobs, and some would work jobs they didn't like, like Burger King, McDonald's, and stuff like that, and some would work outback, and they would make more in tips, and these kids worked flipping french fries. And the kids flipping french fries at McDonald's were always griping. I don't know why I have this sorry job. That's a stupid job. All I do is salt fries and flip it. I'm saying, look, dude. You can gripe if you want to, or you can salt for Jesus, flip for Jesus, and exalt Jesus every time you serve a large fry. Because if you're faithful where he puts you, he will, he will honor you there, and he will give you much more. But if you're going to gripe and bark and complain there, why in the world will God open up your territory and expand your boundaries and give you more people to hear your gripes? He's going to keep you right there. So if you want to work it out back, get $9 tip from a table, then you flip french fries for Jesus and be exalted to him there. And then he will trust you with that. But if he can't trust you there, he's not going to trust you over here. 
And that's what we do sometimes. We get jobs and we go, hey, I got a sorry boss. It's a stupid town. I don't like the traffic. I don't like this. My house is a dump. I don't like this house. God, just bless me. God, if you just bless me and give me, you know, a, a place on the beach and a great job, six digits, and, and man, I'll just exalt you. Offer. No, you won't. No, you won't. Because if you won't there, you won't here. And he knows that. But see, here's the deal. Joseph, in slavery, sold by his brothers, sold by his brothers, exalted the king every single day. And God expanded his territory big time, man. Favor of the Lord is all over him. Look at Daniel. Daniel's the same way. Daniel and Joseph were people that bloomed where they were planted. James says, man, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, okay? Now, all those 12 tribes scattered all over the nation, they didn't even love their location, but they exalted them because God picked them. And wherever God plants you, you, you bloom, man. You bloom. You become an aroma to the king, not a stank to the king, okay? We'll keep rolling because I want to I get through all this. The next one, the family secret, is not just constructive, but it's comprehensive. The scripture says that all things work together for the good. I want you to understand something in that passage. All things. All still means all. I know that's deep, but all still means all. I'm telling you, all things work for the good, okay? All things. Let's take an example of several folks in here. We talked about Daniel. Daniel held captive by the Babylonians. Daniel, again, looked green, looked terrible, looked bad. But I'm going to tell you, he got favor from secular, not God-fearing hate. I mean, kings that hated God, kings that wanted to kill God, kings that did not worship his God. Daniel got he had favor with the people that, he, that attended Daniel and then got Daniel had favor with the king. And the king did things in Daniel's life that, man, you shouldn't have been done. But why? You know, I'll tell you why. Because Daniel griped all the time. No, that's not why he did it. Because he exalted the Lord no matter his circumstances, no matter his situations, no matter the people around him, no matter what they did either. He continued to honor God. David and Bathsheba, bad choice? Yes. Where was he supposed to be? Fighting. But he wimped out. And he didn't go to war, sent his boys out there, went back home, hung out on the balcony. Bathsheba's bathing out there. It's her fault. She shouldn't have been taking a bath outside, right? Well, you shouldn't have been out there looking, right? If you'd have been fighting, Dodging bullets and spears and arrows and lions and tigers and bears, you wouldn't have been out there, okay? Not her fault, dude, all right? You're not where you're supposed to be. When you're not where you're supposed to be, guess what? You get in trouble. Bottom line. So it looked bad. Circumstances looked bad. But David, through that, became what? A man that God called a man after my through it all. And, and, his sec, and, their, and, and their son, the second son that they had, became the wisest, the wisest king ever, Solomon. 
God can take those circumstances in your life, man, and do incredible, incredible things. Look at Moses. Moses put in a basket, sent out in the out in the river, picked up by Pharaoh's daughter. Okay? Through all those circumstances, look what God does through Moses. Look what God does in the whole thing. You see, too many times, guys, we put our glasses on today and we look through them and we call God's will. Well, that's my life. That's it. That's what I'm going to be right there. I'm stuck right there. Call me for my life. Really? Well, that's a humbug story. And if that's what you want to walk in, you walk in that. But I'm going to tell you, if you will look at it and understand that it may be because of a situation or a circumstance that you're in may be a choice that you made or it may be choices that other people made that affected you. Every bit of that was filtered through the hand of an almighty God. And everywhere you find your feet land is divinely put there by God. Psalm 139 says that all of your days have been ordained. I don't know how else to read that except all of your days have been ordained. That means God's got you. He knows where you're at. He can use you. You can bloom where you're planted. And every circumstance and every situation and everything that happens during your life is there for a reason. If you'll look at it and let it come through you, to you, the way God intended it for you, it will not make you bitter. It will make you better. It will make you more like Jesus. He will do things in you that you could not do in your, in your, in your own life. And he could do more in you in that circumstance. He had to get you out of that circumstance to get you in this circumstance so that when that circumstance, that next circumstance happened, you were where you needed to be. There's a lot of things in life and a lot of churches in life that were waiting on a pastor and the pastor hadn't got to that church yet because that church hadn't been gotten ready. The church wasn't ready for the man God chose for them and vice versa many times. And you see that a lot of times in life. There's a lot of times, my friends, that I thought three years after college, I should have already been married. And I told God many times how good I was. Right? And God's like, whatever. We got work to do, dude. Put on your overalls. Let's get busy. And he took me to tool shed, at the tool shed, at the tool shed. He took me to the workshop. Took me to the fire. He, he, he put me through stuff. He tested my heart. He tested my motives. He, he shaped me, molded me, and made me. And when I was not looking, was not even looking, Wife walks in a front door with her fiance. That's true, though. Walked in the front door, okay? Walked in the front door, okay? And God did all of that, waited, took his time, prepared me for her and her for me for such a time as this. I am so thankful. So thankful that I did not take over and orchestrate the events of my life. See, there's only two things I know in life. That's it. I know there is a God, and I know I'm not him. Those are two things I guarantee you I know. And I love the fact to watch God's timing. I don't always understand God's timing. I don't always agree with God's timing. (laughs) But as I mature in my faith, I agree more, okay? But there's many times that God's done things, and I'm like, man, what was that about? And later went, that's pretty cool, God. That's pretty cool. And my friends, let me tell you, you got, when that happens, you can't take your glasses off and put your glasses on because you're not going to see it. 
You've got to continue to wear God glasses. You've got to wear God glasses. Last thing, and we're done. Family secret is conditional. The family secret is conditional. To those who love God, to those who have been called according to his purpose. I want you to look, uh, and I don't want to look at all that. Let's go to 1 John. Go to 1 John. 1 John 3. 1 John 3. This is love for God to obey his commands. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Flip over real quick or just listen as I read it to you. Look at uh, John uh, 14, 15. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. If you, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Real quickly, Jesus doesn't spell love the same way we do. We spell it L-O-V-E, he spells it O-B-E-Y. If you obey him to him, that is love. If you do not obey him, that is not love to him. So we can yell, I love you, God, I love you, I love you, I love you. But then he can say, then do this. No, I don't think so. No, that's not, I'm, that's not, nah, that's not me. I don't do that kind of stuff. Not my personality. Not, nah, nah, no thanks. Appreciate you asking though. Such a gentleman, God. That's not, that's not love. If you love him, you will obey him. It all begins with love. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If you love him, you accept what he did. You receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. The obedience there is already set. You obey him. Then he says, be baptized. You, you obey and you're baptized. From those obedient steps, all the other obedient steps start happening. If you love God, you will obey God. It's simple. Jonah didn't get it. So a big old fish swallowed him up. Finally got it and he got spit out, okay? Abraham fought it, fought it, fought it. And he builds an altar to sacrifice his son, foreshadowing of what was to come. And you remember that story? He goes through everything, but he doesn't kill him. God was testing Abraham to see if he truly loved God. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Folks, Romans 8, 28 is bigger than Sunday morning, bigger than 30 minutes I got. It's life. It's huge. Every turn, every step, every circumstance, every situation Every choice we make every day is going to bring a new revelation to Romans 8.28. It's a verse that you have got to know by heart. You've got to, you, you, it, it's got to be part of your DNA. And everything that happens in your life, you've got to let it filter through that. All things, man. All things. And you've got to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before you, 
endure the cross, scorn its shame, and sits down at the right hand of the Father. And you've got to fix your eyes on Jesus, and you cannot worry about the left and the right. You can't worry when the wind blows. You can't worry about whether you don't understand and can't explain. You've got to keep focused, and you've got to focus your eyes on Jesus and understand something, that you are made by him. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you, and he has a purpose for your life, and he is going to accomplish that purpose whether you're willingly going to do it or he has to wrestle you and win. But God, God, God loves you. And you say back to him, God, whatever you do, whatever you say, I say yes to you. I will obey you. I will trust you. So right now you may find yourself in something you cannot, cannot understand. You might find yourself in a situation you didn't even make. It, 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 it just happened. It wasn't choices you made, but you find yourself there. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. I want you to pray with me. Father, this morning, as we enter a time of invitation, Romans 8.28 is much, much bigger than me, much bigger than everybody in this room, that we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called to his purpose. God, I pray for anybody in this room that has become bitter over a circumstance. I pray for anyone in here that cannot see in the midst of it God's hand, that you'd reveal that today. God, I pray for anyone in here that cannot say, I am part of the we here. If they don't know you, Father, they won't ever understand what's going on, never. So Father, I pray this morning that they may come this morning and receive you. God, I pray for anyone in here, family, individual, that's looking for a church home. Father, they need a home church. Father, I pray you'd, pray you'd relieve them this morning as well. Father, this invitation is simply your invitation. It's not mine. I'm not worthy to give an invitation, but you are. So, Father, I pray that, that you will meet us right where we're at this morning, that you will speak into our lives this morning, and we will say yes to you. Open our eyes, Father. Open them wide to see what you're doing, what you're up to. God, just bless us now. And may we move and, and follow you this morning as you lead us during this invitation time. In Jesus' name.